Welcome to Slingshot by Arkham Ventures. On this podcast, we curate conversations with product experts about the processes and ideas that make modern-day product management tick. Tune in every fortnight to listen to our latest episode. Join our Substack mailing list at slingshot.substack.com to stay informed about the latest release. Without further ado, let's dive in and listen to our guests. Anuj Rathi is the Vice President of Growth, Product and Monetization at Swiggy. He's one of the early shapers of e-commerce product management in India, being the first product manager at Flipkart and moving on to Walmart and Snapdeal. Anuj, it's amazing to have you with us at Slingshot. Let's start with understanding your career journey. So in two decades of working with uh, Ask Lela to Canvera to Flipkart to Snapdeal to Walmart to Swiggy, how have you seen the definition of the role of product manager change in India and where do you see it heading? Thanks a lot for the question, uh, Rahul. First, uh, thanks a lot for having me here on Slingshot. Uh, it's really amazing to have, uh, uh, have both you, Prashant, as well as like the Arkham Ventures team uh, uh, discuss product management with me. Um, in the last two decades, as you said, I think it's, the role has changed a lot. Um, I'll take a step back, actually. If you, if you look at, like, say, 2010s or, say, 2005 to 2010 kind of an era, there were very, very few products that were coming out of India. And at, this, at the same time, if you understand the ecosystem, there were a lot more uh, services companies that were there in India. So engineering-wise, we were kind of at a at decent strength. But if, uh, because the products were not, uh, products that were built for India were very few, um, there were very few entrepreneurs and product managers themselves who kind of um, under who didn't understand really how sh- how should that role really function in uh, in a company where robust products that are meant for Indians kind of um, not only come out once but it becomes a pattern and it, it keeps on coming out strength by strength. So from my if I look at like my early days at Flipkart, for example, we are still figuring out like what is the ideal way to to figure out a team in which a business product technology. <clears throat> engineering design etc kind of work together with each other um, as the old saying says right you have a designer who designs you have a business team that measure the metrics and like is it responsible for the pnl you have an engineering team who is who's building it why do we need a product manager for and uh, most of the of the companies who were at that time especially who had any sort of operations so like flipkart had e-commerce operations or for example other companies say uh, would have some other kind of operations they found it especially difficult to uh, to figure out that role uh, on or how it should be shaping up from there where we are today i think uh, companies have a much better understanding of uh, of what products uh, or what a product development journey should look like and what is the role of a product manager and, and the product team itself. I will not say that it is, uh, it is still up to the level of, for example, mature um, uh, ecosystems like this as Silicon Valley or even China, but I definitely see that has evolved a lot. Um, just one more point that, uh, that I'd like to make here is in the last 10 years, because uh, so many different product companies have also come up. So kind of the ecosystem of, of more people who have built products in the past uh, and kind of take the learning from one company to the other, et cetera, et cetera, has also grown. So uh, a new company that comes up, they kind of already a, understand that, hey, I need a product management team as soon as possible once like we have kind of hit the product market fit. And B, because uh, 
all of these these people have come together now uh, who have built products in the past so they already know kind of how do we set up the team and the culture thanks anand and it's been it's been a long journey so when you look back at your younger self in let's say flipkart what is the one thing you would do or learn which you didn't do back then uh, it's a very good question actually so and again if you look at the context which we were talking about i think um, there were two things there are two things that i'll tell myself that don't only solve for problems but solve for patterns um and when i when i when i mean patterns it's not only the patterns in the market but also patterns in your workplace so if you see that hey every time i'm being pulled to meetings which are which are which seem important and i am doing a lot of program management i'm not really like focusing on the customer or like thinking creatively about how should we be setting up a framework and so on and so forth so that pattern recognition was something that i don't think i did very well then like i kind of understood that hey there are these things that are broken but kind of uh, praise the or pray to the lord that somehow these things should be fixed so that i am set up well for success and the other rest of the product team also but i don't think uh, uh, i did that too well i would go back to my earlier self and kind of say that hey identify the pattern work with the leadership team to set up the product development process up for success mode and talking about leadership team i mean you go on from somebody who was not so senior to actually now running the entire product function you've done that over the last few roles uh you interacted directly with the leadership team so do you think ceos today have a better understanding of the role responsibilities and limitations of of product management today when than when you started oh 100% i think that's that's absolutely clear and i think uh, uh three or four things right one is uh, is product management itself but but at the same time like if you look at startups in general so for example um, a leadership meeting where like all the you know senior folks in uh, uh, in a company would sit down together and think about how should i grow this company those meetings then and that kind of boardroom discussions versus the meetings that we having today's uh, boardrooms in in most of the companies mm-hmm. they are so much evolved like i think we we have like a much better understanding of how should we look at our startup and what is the context of uh, of where are the Uh, the leading edge products are going to come how do we find out better product market fits etc i think earlier it was very very intuition driven um, so if you look at at how decisions get made in um, you know, in when it comes to like building products it's either intuition based or empathy based or data based and there will be some flavor of that i think we have gone a lot from completely intuition uh, intuition driven mm-hmm. product management and startup building to like a good mix of intuition empathy and data now so today ceos for example understand their customers much better understands the role of technology and their products and their offerings and their competition and all uh, much better i think they have a much better understanding of technology also what it could do earlier it was kind of the wild wild west let i dreamt of something let's build something and so on so a lot more things are uh, are are in different shape at the same time though i think there is still a long way to go so we are we have kind of moved that pendulum a little bit i think it still has a long way to go before it's uh, it's it's a robust ecosystem of of technologists and ceos it certainly sounds like a more positive environment yes. for product managers so so more of a personal preference question anuj which is uh, you work with different ceos just what's your personal preference like what kind of ceo do you prefer working with somebody who's a product thinker uh, like uh, like a twitter ceo or a design oriented ceo like airbnb or more business oriented ceos like salesforce or engineering which is you know google is known for what's what's your personal preference <laughs> uh i'll 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 take that uh, question into two parts right um, one is uh, my recommendation is is to uh, is to a read 
um, a particular blog post by Marty Kagan and where he talks about the VP product mm-hmm. role. And he talks about there are like kind of three kind of, of you know, CEOs. One is like a visionary CEO. And, um, and, and, and a visionary CEO usually also is like also a very creative CEO and, and a CEO who has a lot of ideas and in terms of how, how the, the offerings that they're thinking of, not only seeing products, but like the offerings that they want to offer to the world can kind of change some fundamentals about the world itself, right? So I think that's, that's, that's one kind of CEO. The other ones are, for example, um, are the ones who are very business focused, who know how to like run an organization, but not necessarily very anchored toward products. And, and that's the, the VP product role kind of changes when you're working with that kind of CEO. The third kind of CEO is a person who thinks that he's a visionary, but not really, but actually is not. <laughs> They're the VP product role kind of changes a lot more. So my preference obviously is, is the first kind of CEO because I think without having like a grand vision and, um, um, and, and also kind of, uh, even though they, they may be young and even though they may not have like built like multiple organizations together, but that's where I think the partnership of a, of a head of product or a VP product along with that kind of CEO uh, kind of works out very, very well. Where like that person is like the biggest like vision setting uh, person. And then at the same time, you're trying to figure out together what are the org structures that are required and go down into the trenches and make sure that uh, that at the top level vision, but at, at the same time, you have to make sure that the products that are coming out of your stable are, are completely aligned to that. Um, the second kind of CEO also is, is, is a good one to work with because you get a lot of leeway, but then you are the one who is setting the entire product and offerings vision while, while uh, the CEO is running the business once products are launched. So both of them are okay, but the third ones are not the ones that is going to be a preference. So like uh, taking a cue from your answer and like how do you retrofit your answer with the empathy-based, intuition-based and database product management in the sense like, uh, how do you know as an outsider, what do you say in intuition-based thing can easily be said, I'm building Uber of India or I'm building Clubhouse of India. Which of these three buckets you will put those kind of a thing? Because essentially what's driving is copying something outside, which worked out <laughs> elsewhere. Uh, okay, so if I understand that question uh, well and Prashant, correct me if I'm wrong. So, um, the way I, I look at the uh, at like Uber for India or, or something for X, et cetera, is like mm-hmm. a good analogy. I think mm-hmm. analogies work well when you are uh, doing an elevator pitch or when you are doing explaining like very, very quickly, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. I think it is very, very risky though, if, mm-hmm. if that's how you really, really think as well, which is I want to build Uber for, in, for you know, uh, instead of cab drivers, you can say Uber for hospitals. I'm just making this up. So, mm-hmm. so things like that. Um, where you have to really go to is, is in terms of first principles, you have to understand where is the market? What is the offering that my, uh, that my company, um, what are the offerings that my company has? Where are the opportunity areas? And within those, you have to then figure out, is it a mature market where, um, where like there are great players and, and category creation has happened and market share taking is like the main opportunity there. Mm-hmm. So you will have like a very different approach to product building and, and product management there. And probably you'll, you'll go with like hey, some products are, do I need to really build disruptive product, products here? Or do I need to like build something that is working well in the market that people love? Mm-hmm. And I will differentiate on price and promotion and, and, and so on and so forth. Versus if you find out like some completely different say um, opportunity, opportunity area that just opened up, Mm-hmm. that's where you will think that, Hey, I need to go with, um, with a lot more first principles on intuition and I'll mm-hmm. take this offering out and I will actually work it out with the customer. And in second stage, I will, I will build for a lot of empathy because that's when I will start getting user feedback mm-hmm. and I will take the database decisions like much later in the game. So I would approach that in, in this kind of a structure. So no one answer for all kinds of products. 
mm-hmm. even in uh, in say e-commerce right mm-hmm. um, while the the entire app is one product but if you if i look at uh, at say top of the funnel i use a lot more creativity mm-hmm. uh, versus for example uh, bottom of the funnel where like you have to do a payment and so on I use like a little creativity and rely on users training. I don't want my users to get trained once again on another payment space, etc. And that's mm-hmm. where I'll be like way more data driven than, for example, on on some other other parts of the of the app. So again, I believe so. A process of uh, uh, product management inside an organizational contour will be different from all these three kind of an organization. So speaking of your current organization swiggy what is the process of product management like like who decide what need to be built who decide the timeline effort estimation can you just walk us through a typical sprint cycle in terms of requirement to estimation to shipping to testing and like whole nine yard <laughs> uh, well well uh, in swiggy we have we have almost like evolved every year uh with respect to what is the best way in which you can serve our customers and mm-hmm. and product management and product building is obviously like one one of the most important uh, things that we can do to serve our customers in the best way possible right mm-hmm. uh when when i look back at the journey like uh, four years back when we were at swiggy uh, we understood that what's happening is that we we found ourselves in like a hockey stick curve mm-hmm. where just the offering that we had was growing like wildfire but at the same time the products that we had were just basic and we are not really building for we are not completing the loop we are just like taking business requirements and working towards uh, you know putting something together because there were a lot of fires and and mm-hmm. we had to just put down some of those fires right mm-hmm. at that time um, for the next couple of years we introduced a process called big bets that hey every quarter we think that there are big things that we can do in swiggy uh, that can like kind of change the contour of of how uh, of how food delivery in india is perceived so so we essentially said seven to eight big bets that we will tie down together like break down say functional boundaries and all of those things let's look at what does the customer want and so on right and that era kind of lasted for a couple of years when we evolved into for example say okrs where mm-hmm. it was like a a very different way of looking at things as an organization also we were evolving mm-hmm. in 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 the future world though where we want to be is is something that we uh, that we want to say that these are are, are functions or streams which are very customer backward what are the things that we will keep on investing in over and uh, over and over a period of time right mm-hmm. and the way product management will work or it's already working in a, in a certain way it's both top down and bottom up so at top down for example you have uh, the leadership team which has like a strategic guidance the next year where are the opportunity areas and so on and and they will have like some understanding of the market and the and the budgets that are coming in and how much can we hire and all of those things right now within if you have the um, the understanding of streams then bottom up your product managers will will say that hey within these streams these are the things or offerings that we should be making these are the opportunities that we have and so on and and what's important is to have that conversation or the short circuit of leadership and product management kind of coming together mm-hmm. and then align on 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 one roadmap so it is never going to be like one versus the other there like kind of leadership team says that hey go build these things or a business team says go build these things and at the same time it will never be like product managers just say that hey uh, let's let's build all of these things that we are asking for and that becomes a company strategy because you need a strategic alignment as well so it is going to be like top down and bottom up mm-hmm. uh, and it is already like that in swiggy but i think in the future I, that's that's something that i recommend especially for companies in which product management doesn't own pnl mm-hmm. uh, especially in the companies where you have a product uh, which is actually used like day to day by business teams to achieve like very clear concrete business metrics mm-hmm. and product management is kind of looked at um, as as this is 
a little bit of separation of concerns where you say these are weapon builders and those are soldiers. So mm. product managers are in a way preparing or building for those new weapons. And once mm. those weapons are deployed, then your soldiers are actually fighting the wars. So if so, and that analogy kind of um, uh, helps us. If you need, for example, real-time feedback from the battleground, and that, mm. when your weapons have to be, uh, you know, thought about in a different way and then deployed. So we want to cut down on that cycle. So how granular is the feedback which comes from top down? Do they simply say we want to focus on revenue, profit, market share, and then <laughs> leave it to you that you build a referral program, paid promotion, <clears throat> or like increase uh, time to delivery and like you know delivery by utilization and stuff like this? How granular is the direction you come from top? It it depends on on different um, areas of products as well. Like mm. in 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 our case, for example. Uh, uh, as I was talking about earlier, like in in case we are where your founders are are visionaries, and mm. in that case they already have like a lot of ideas on the table, and mm. ideally they would be already speaking with your product managers day to day, and that mm. uh, that, um, that that process of co-creation of hey, where should we be investing, should we go into loyalty point program or something like that, so uh, so that short circuit has already happened in a way. Uh, because that discussion of creative brainstorming, etc., is happening, right? So mm. it's it's difficult to say whether it came from the CEO or came from the product manager. Because uh, uh, now that it has come on the table, we look at it as, at its own merit. Uh, mm. But in 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 a lot of cases, for example, where uh, where there's no very clear um, you know reason, where for example the CEO may not understand, or maybe mm. the, the the head of business or even head of product may not understand why we should, for example, in invest a lot in this particular technology of say location intelligence. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just a fundamental technology on which all food delivery apps will have to work. Your consumers need which restaurants are going to be showing up. Restaurants need where's my catchment area. Delivery executives need mm-hmm. to know, right? So in, in those kind of, of ways, for example, granularity wise, it may not come, but but product and engineering uh, will, will push it up and so on. Mm-hmm. So it happens both ways. Uh, in some cases, it may be extremely granular. For example, mm-hmm. where, we are, uh, uh, where we are seeing some, ex- some very clear market opportunity that we have to have to go after. And that's coming from either external data points or our own understanding of, um, uh, of you know, customer uh, intuition. Mm-hmm. It may be very granular as well. So I don't recommend that it, it should be one way or the other. What I think I'm trying to, um, uh, in a way, suggest is there has to be a short circuit between leadership and product management so that it doesn't matter where the, the idea came from as long as like, like both of them are working together towards the same goal. But there is no like co-creation is good, but sometimes that becomes like too much of intervention and all. So how do you kind of put guardrails around it? Like, you know, yeah, I think there are, there are some good ways in which you can put guardrails Uh because, uh, because many leaders may have like a whole bunch of, you know, creative ideas that may be coming or in some cases, many product managers may have like a Uh whole bunch of creative ideas. So, uh, like I was talking about earlier in our big best process, we put a number on that, that, Hey, uh, we think as a company, we should be overall taking like five to six or seven, whatever number of, of big things to the market that will change the world in a certain way. So that's where your product management frameworks come in that, Hey, um, are these going to be big bets, like really big things that are going to change, uh, you know, the offering in a meaningful way. Are these what we call going to be bread and butter items, which mm-hmm. is like small sprint items, mm-hmm. uh, usually, uh, you know, bug fixes, feature enhancements, or, or you know, things like experiments, et cetera, et cetera, that bucket. Or we, we call them the third BB called brilliant basics. These are technology mm-hmm. investments that we have to make, mm-hmm. or what we call breaking bad. Like this is mm-hmm. where we, we want to like com- completely different business model. It's an adjacency. It's something that is not, uh, uh, for example, when Swiggy moved from food delivery to say, 
pick up and drop service or mm. or say instamart which is a grocery service it's completely different mm. so at a top level we have to align so that's where the product management leaders along with um, with the rest of the leadership team have to agree mm. how much investments are we going to make in for example big bets in the current business how mm-hmm. much investments do we want to do in technology how much do mm. we want to do in uh, for example new business lines how much do we want to do in in you know regular upkeeps and tech debts and all of those things mm. once once that alignment is set then i think uh, you have like a much better answer on and you have to define like, what is the kind of bar that is needed for a product manager to basically say that hey i want to propose this mm. and then once you calibrate across all of the products uh, that's when you will basically be able to decide that what are the things that we want to prioritize for the next six months and when a product manager case make a case for a certain feature to be prioritized i believe he has to tie it up with certain kpis right so and that brings the question like what kind of a kpi you believe a product manager across teams owns like because i've seen like when you own a kpi sometime you also turn it straight into some kind of a territorial boundary with functional boundary like you know so like you own shipping timeline and bug count if you own you run with engineering you have because your kpi depend on then delivering sound project when you focus too much on daily active users or session times or nps you are basically thinking more like a uh, on behalf of business person not mm. a product person and revenue again it's business goal so what is like a kpi for performance <laughs> making uh, this case for this as well as overall performance of a product manager you use I'm sure there will be set up right. Yes, and, and and it is different across product lines as well, right? Mm. Like if you are, for example, a, a new product manager who is building mm. out, say, an Instamart, and mm. it didn't exist, and you are working on it for six months and and take it live, mm. and for the uh, for the next few months, uh, once like it is growing into different markets and we are setting up the operations, etc. What kind of KPIs do you really use to judge that product manager, etc. Right? So mm. that will be different. For example, for a more stable product, where for example we are using promotions. um that how do we show discounts to the users and and so on and so forth like that kind of of kpis will be different but i uh, so to answer your question let me give a first more examples even right so mm-hmm. so think about say google um in in 2010 or 12 i don't remember exact year when around 40% of outgoing traffic was on google was on wikipedia mm-hmm. like most people came in and then they went out for wikipedia now uh, and that was their key metric also Mm-hmm. so think about for example a key metric for google search product manager mm-hmm. so their key metric is number of people who are actually finding a result and mm-hmm. tapping on the first link possible and going right and 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 that's a good thing for them so more wikipedia links mm-hmm. now what actually happened was in in google they started showing wikipedia snippets mm-hmm. right and and with wikipedia snippets actually all the metrics went down because mm-hmm. uh, because a people were finding the information that they were looking for here they didn't need to go to wikipedia anymore as mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. or or because they have read the snippet pe- many people started tapping the second link mm-hmm. right now if i ask you was that a good thing for the user or a bad thing for the user and was it a good thing for google or a bad thing for google so so, so if it's a good thing the way you have to define your kpis become like even more important because if you're just chasing those metrics you would never launch good features which are which are meaningful for the user mm-hmm. so the first thing that every product manager and the leadership team have to agree and understand mm-hmm. is unless you have very well defined set of metrics and check metrics and so on and and tied back to the product manager's performance it's usually not a very good idea to to marry them directly with 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 very high level kpis etc mm-hmm. uh, the way at least 
I think about uh, how it should evolve, especially in a company where like a lot of innovation is still left and a lot of innovation with respect to bets are being taken and so on, rather than a very stable company, right? In those kind of companies, ideally it should be a one-on-one discussion with a, with a product manager that says, what does uh, success look like for you? And I define it in three buckets, mm-hmm. inputs, outputs, and outcomes. So inputs meaning what are the competencies? Mm-hmm. Like essentially, are you a better product manager than I found you? Did mm-hmm. I find you using all of these things in the next six months or whatever? Like that's one bucket and I'll evaluate you on that. The other one is on outputs. What are the real products that went out of your stable? Maybe you know a lot of stuff, but you're not using those principles. Like, is it really customer backward? Is the output really that people love? Mm-hmm. And these are soft aspects. You, do, you may not know whether like uh, people loved it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, or for example, did you use like the right technologies and all of those things? And the third one is outcomes, where because you launched these things, what were the metrics that were uh, that were supposed to move? By how much? Mm-hmm. And uh, and and once you have this conversation with your product managers, mm-hmm. you tie them to those things, and then mm-hmm. look at, for example, all of these things because of the outcomes, etc. Then you can tie it back to KPIs. I I'm uh, I really don't like the um, you know way of evaluation of product managers just on KPIs. I think that's that's very very detrimental to to any products culture or any orgs culture. Not only that, like it's, uh, because you are building something which is fundamentally new for the customer also, it's very hard to know ahead of time that like how they will react. So it's very hard to predict what's the correct KPI will be going forward. So has it happened that you went back to the drawing board and decided a different KPI, which uh, uh, earlier was not even on the horizon? Like Yeah, in fact, I'll tell you even more uh, things. We have made... Uh, we have in fact made some, in some cases, promotions of product managers where they helped us put up a case on why we should not be building a product. Mm-hmm. Like the entire company was, was saying that, hey, this is something that we should be building. Let's go ahead and, and like really put our resources there and so on and so forth. That like some product, like there was a product manager who worked for six months mm-hmm. to put up a PR FAQ and a case and basically just showed that in all of these scenarios, we will fail. Let's not do it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and even that is such a powerful thing. If you were just to tie it to the KPIs, Mm-hmm. Product building is is messy, and uh, and in in that mess you definitely don't want to anchor them to some things where they take some things as fundamental truths, mm-hmm. and you want them to be more entrepreneurial and thinking about really what what works for the user, and and that's why the the previous world of tying them to KPIs and measuring them by that, as you correctly mentioned, Prashant, mm-hmm. uh, it is messy. You don't really know whether people will love it and 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 so on and so forth, mm-hmm. um, and maybe you'll need to pivot and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the right way to do that, for example, is the, the expectation with, with the product manager, for example, if he thinks all of these things can happen, mm-hmm. what is the right way to, to basically look at uh, their products? I would say outputs. Like, mm-hmm. did you set it up for success? Do you know that you have done everything in your hands possible to make mm-hmm. sure that the product reaches its potential? Mm-hmm. And I will judge you on that. And maybe external factors and things that we don't know can still destroy it. And that's okay. But I don't want, you ding you, don't want to ding you for that. Hence this input-output outcomes framework. So you go through this uh, exercise and come with, let's say, total universe of like a hundred features you want to build in next six months or whatever time frame you decide for. How do you build a roadmap around it? Like, how do you prioritize that? Out of this hundred thing, we can possibly build like these fifty. We'll pick it up. Like, you know, is there? Do you? What are the source for those things? Like, is it the dashboard? Is it the partners request or customer care thing or? Everybody's whims and fancies also. I'm sure. How do you basically balance a roadmap which present each stakeholder and all? Mm. It's it's an interesting one, and and that's where um, what really helps is uh, what we were, I was talking about earlier. One is a top-down strategic guidance, mm. and B is the bottom-up things that product managers are coming up with. 
right mm-hmm. for example uh, like in large companies there will be product management teams or like product building teams in in so many different areas mm-hmm. which may or may not be the strategic priorities for the company or at least mm-hmm. uh, in the near future or the far future and so on so forth right and the third mm-hmm. thing that kind of plays here is what is the capacity that you have mm-hmm. of both of building products but also in some cases of for example your supply team or their ability to source or your budgets on discounts and so on so forth right so mm-hmm. what um, the way that in which we have tried it in chigi and again we are still perfecting it is um, is for example once you get that strategic di- uh, guidance after so you know the strategic workshops that happen between leaders and obviously product uh, will represent it in, uh, in 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 quite high um, uh, you know numbers also so once that is done and then you look at actually what what were the roadmaps or backlog items that for example product managers had and that short circuit kind of helps you achieve that now i talked about two things the two big things that can help us uh, reach a right priorities roadmap one is for example um, the big bets or breaking bads and so on kind of things mm-hmm. like where where should we be really investing that kind of like puts a cut on some mm-hmm. of the things that hey of course you could be saying that but we remove this particular parts because we have already filled up our big bets and so on that's one mm-hmm. second framework that i found very handy is that you if you have to give your your ceo for example uh, say 100 focus points mm-hmm. and say you can put your focus points in these these areas one is do you want to focus on um, on for example do you want to focus on the competition do you want a lot of agility and and kind of respond very fast uh, do you want to focus on the customer do you want to build really for the experience and post order experience and all of those things mm-hmm. do you want to focus on the future uh which is uh, completely new areas where we have not been there and so on or do you want to focus on what i call like fundamentals and with mm-hmm. fundamentals it is like economic fundamentals and technology fundamentals mm-hmm. like and because you have only 100 and and if you are able to have that honest conversation because you have only 100 then then kind of that 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 leaves you towards a particular number in mm-hmm. in each of these areas where that gives you the opportunity to then run these workshops with your product teams Uh, mm-hmm. along specific areas that hey we don't really want to go so deep into customer experience we have gotten like say 30 focus points and we there are 80 ideas on the table mm-hmm. so that's where those conversations can help so mm-hmm. there are of course other prioritization frameworks that uh, that at a product manager level for example uh, is important uh, mm-hmm. if you are a product manager in the growth team for example you'll get uh, you get to work on rise uh, so reach impact confidence effort right and mm-hmm. and there's a need formula that we that we build there which is r Uh, so r i c divided by e so mm-hmm. yeah, so that you are actually optimizing for high um, high impact and high confidence items rather than only high effort items and so on right? so that kind of helps in in say growth teams mm-hmm. whereas in, um, in 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 teams where you are going for new initiatives where like each initiative takes 6 months 9 months 12 months etc there it needs to be like a actual discussion and like um, and that maybe like whole bunch of workshops in which we'll mm-hmm. say that no 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 the grocery makes more sense versus for example uh, going into another pick up and drop service or, or something else makes more sense than this one and so on. it is messy prioritization is not simple but once you're done with the prioritization and this looks like a awesome way of organizing that whole exercise i believe there will be very little of stakeholder management left once you are <laughs> like uh, in the building state of mind so what's your take on mm-hmm. that whole state stakeholder management is it some i know it's a necessary part of the product manager's mm-hmm. job but how much of product management in swiggy is stakeholder management and what's your take on that a lot actually and 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 i have i have a correlation or um, uh, also on on why 
Mm-hmm. So if, if you look at um, at companies which want to push the boundaries mm-hmm. and and don't want to like stay comfortable with the status quo, uh, you don't need to do a lot of stakeholder management once your processes are set or once you're not really pushing the boundaries on the number of things or the kind of thing that you would want to do, mm-hmm. right? Oh, it adds a lot of value. There is there is there is a lot of value just to be had when all the team members are aligned and working towards one common shared understanding of where do we want to grow mm-hmm. or how do we want to uh, go towards that growth path. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, in, in, in most companies, especially that are coming out of India, we are not building only purely technology products where you're selling technology mm-hmm. or where you have, um, where you don't have any operational units and so on. Mm-hmm. So usually the way you'll be successful is uh, both, as I said, like weapon builders as well as soldiers. So unless your soldiers actually know how to deploy those weapons or unless you are getting feedback from your soldiers on how the wars are being, 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 being fought, mm-hmm. um, you are not going to get uh, a lot of success. So in this case, you have to actually uh, work with your stakeholders for all of these things to gather market feedback because you are not going to be as a product manager going to be around throughout the world on understanding, for example, what is happening in Jaipur during lunch times with how many restaurants, for example, in Swiggy's case, mm-hmm. or what is happening in, um, in say Bangalore and Koromangla, maybe you can because you are still there. But in most cases, you will not be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Or what is happening with, for example, delivery executives when they are, uh, what kind of payment structures work for them? How are uh, they responding when uh, they have to do long distances deliveries? Or for example, how restaurants are doing, like all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. There's a large operational unit. And unless you A, understand from, from these stakeholders what is happening, A, you will not be able to build good products. B, if you deploy some products, you need those people also to go ahead and, uh, and actually work with these, these different people to, uh, to have meaningful discussions with your restaurants, to have uh, actually onboard your delivery executives or recruit your customers, all of those things. So it is going to be a back and forth. Uh, I know it is frustrating for a lot of uh, product managers. And that's just one part on the business, right? The other part is on design as well as technology. So unless, unless your designers, so once you get the feedback from your market, Unless you convince the designers and, and kind of build a shared understanding of, of, of what new insight are you going to be using for, for, for taking the product in a certain direction, well, the designer is not going to be very happy about that. Or, or maybe he will build something which doesn't really work for the, uh, for the consumer. So you, all of the stakeholder management helps bring at least the same set of people come on the same page. And, and that same page helps also in step one, which is the prioritization part. So, because then you go together as a unit to the to the leadership and say we are all convinced that we should be investing in this area uh-huh. in a particular way so that we uh, we really win this. Okay, so in the process of building this consensus, you might have to like at, at times you can take two approaches. You can look at pure data from dashboards and like aggregate feedback, or you can basically embed yourself in the functional teams like and that will essentially increase the time to market essentially. You know. So you can say, I'll spend my two days on, on field with the delivery executive and all. Right. What is your approach toward it? And like, uh, does the design team also get embedded with the field execu- uh, field team or is just the product manager or you have dedicated team for that? Uh, again, horses for courses. Uh, yeah. in, in, in my approach, I think product management, uh, product managers have to be as close to the customer problem as possible. So there mm-hmm. is just no way around that. You have to make sure that you are going uh, visiting your customers, understanding, living with them, understanding in what kind of, um, uh, you know, parts in, in their life journey, does mm-hmm. say food delivery come in even, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and for example, the same thing you will have with, uh, with say delivery executives and restaurants, but mm-hmm. you know, what, what all of these things give is give, just give you one data point or very mm-hmm. few data points on our consumers that, the, or the few consumers that I have met, how do they behave? 
Mm-hmm. There are other techniques also to, so, so that you have a complete understanding of your user base. So, mm-hmm. so there are surveys that you have to do periodically. You may be working with, with some external agencies that are giving you that. Mm-hmm. You have to look at customer service feedback mm-hmm. and kind of uh, uh, looking at what we call what dogs not barking worries you. So mm-hmm. in some cases, these are dogs barking, but mm-hmm. uh, but in some cases, the dogs are not barking and, 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 yeah. and you, you, you want to get, uh, yeah. get that understanding also. Um, yeah, so, nobody ever complained about parachute not opening. <laughs> exactly exactly Vishant. so so you have to get a shared understanding of of all of these things to make like a good call and again that depends on the maturity of that particular business line if i'm opening something completely new then i would for example spend like four to six months on uh, on just uh, my understanding and the research part of it and and uh, creative brainstorming around different business models that could be done so i'll have different stakeholders and and, and helping me out there Versus, for example, if I'm, I have a running food delivery business, then I'm, I'm getting these insights in a, in a very different way and collating that in a much larger manner. And we'll be investing a lot more in research and then uh, you know, using our NPS surveys and all of those things in, in totality to make a point of view. So, but without this shared point of view, along with the data and the dashboard that you see, yeah. uh, won't give you uh, like a good uh, you know, understanding of what products should I be building? Because if you don't even understand what is going on, Mm-hmm. Um, then there is like little point in basically taking bets on what will go on if I build something. And so listening to your explanation of this whole process looks like it requires a fairly mature head on the shoulder for a product <coughs> manager to kind of uh, pass this quantitative and qualitative data. So I would, is it a fair assumption to make that uh, most of your product managers are not freshers and they are like uh, seasoned industry people <laughs> and uh, how does the Hiring process, uh, how, how does it impact your hiring strategy? What's your hiring process like? Is it uh, in terms of like uh, fresher versus experience as well as uh, what is the uh, selection criteria, what kind of question you ask, kind of exercise you do during the hiring and all? Can you walk us through the hiring? Wow, hiring is, uh, is another rabbit hole. So let me talk about, about the first part, Prashant. Uh, mm. Where do we want to be versus what is the ecosystem, where is the ecosystem right now? Mm. Uh, I think there's a little bit of a gap. Mm-hmm. So, and in fact, there's a large gap. When, when I started hiring for Swiggy, my understanding of the Indian, you know, product manager ecosystem also was that uh, the, there are people who have had like seven, eight years of experience right now or five years experience and so on. Mm-hmm. But they are not really product managers. Still, mm-hmm. they are either like glorified program managers or business managers who have transitioned into product, but are not really doing what I would want them to do. And, and during those days, for example, my hiring strategy and, and, and some of that continues to this day as well. This is hire people who are young, fresh, not just out of college because it is still a leadership uh, position, but they have some sort of domain expertise either in one of the fields. Right? It could be product or design or engineering or business or analytics mm-hmm. um, or entrepreneurship, like one of those things. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you basically, and I'll go through the hiring process and how do we test them, whether they'll be uh, awesome or not but then invest a lot in, in these people so that they become the product managers that you want them to become. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think, the, the key difference between, uh, uh, between orgs who just hire from outside and help on, and kind of think that these product managers will come and deliver mm-hmm. versus orgs that actually invest time in, in for example, throwing them in the deep end of, of the pool, making sure that they are actually um, uh, you know, working with those product managers to improve them quarter on quarter. Remember, we talked about inputs, outputs, and outcomes. Mm-hmm. So essentially, quarter on quarter, on the input side, uh, our teams or our leaders would work together with product managers to make sure that they're improving on a few competencies quarter on quarter. 
Mm-hmm. I think that becomes a real difference uh, on on how do you actually uh, grow your product team. Now on hiring, uh, um, you while you need like a, a, a very senior or you know a mature head on the on the shoulders, mm-hmm. but at the same time you have to balance it with um, does that does that person come with a lot of preconceived notions? Mm-hmm. Uh, does the person also need to unlearn a lot? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is again very specific in, in Swiggy's context, right? Uh, so, for example, we are a three-way marketplace. I've always called call this, right? We have a problem of Amazon multiplied by Uber. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, in in Amazon, you are a two-way marketplace of buyers and sellers. In Uber, you are a two-way marketplace between a rider and a passenger. Mm-hmm. In our case, when even when you open the app, we have to understand all the things that say an Uber needs to understand, which is like where are my delivery executives and how much you know time it will take if I need to deliver them. But, and the Amazon problem also, which is the customer need to do a selection and like make mm-hmm. the payment and all of those things, right? So uh, there is a, a quite a deep learning that is involved in for anybody to be successful in this three-way marketplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very unusual that somebody will just come and, and start adding value. Mm-hmm. So we look for people where we can find adjacencies if they have like really done something well in like any of the operation companies, but at the same time, very high learnability and curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, and that is true, even if you're a junior person or a senior person. So we don't distinguish around, around this part as well. Mm-hmm. We look for, for three things in, in, in a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. So for example, one thing we look for like extremely good creative problem solvers, mm-hmm. uh, both problem identifiers and problem solvers. Like that's mm-hmm. one thing that, that every product manager must must really have. Mm-hmm. The other thing we uh, we actually look at is our product leaders, managers, whatever should be extremely gritty. I think they must be very passionate, and and along with grit and passion comes learnability and curiosity and like all of those things that go for where you'll not give up because if it's a tough problem. And the third one, very uh, which is very interesting, which I don't think a lot of people think about that is influence and communication. So mm-hmm. like. Communication is is extremely important. Like literally, you are uh, like communication is the input and mm. influence is the output. Mm. We look at those things uh, which 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 a PM has to has to really shine on, because when you're working with a with a with an engineer, you still have to communicate in the are your PRDs in the right way. When you're building an app, you are actually trying to influence a user's behavior. They were doing something, you want them to do something else, and how you're communicating, you have only words and you're designed to do that. When you are um, fighting for your prioritization with, with leadership. Why, why should a, a product be prioritized over something else? Like you're mm-hmm. still communicating and you are influencing that. So these three qualities like make for like great product manager. These are the basics, of course, then you have like domain knowledge and whatnot and hard skills. Um, so that's what we look at both at junior and, and senior levels. And we try to interview for that. I mean, like for an experienced industry person, you can easily ask them, tell me a time when you influence a product roadmap or tell me an instance in your previous job when you, this, you communicated something and assess on that. How do you mm-hmm. do it for somebody who is just coming out of, let's say, ISP or something? It, it, is, it is not straightforward. Like, uh, so we, we, by the way, we have hired freshers as well. So we, we go to ISB every couple of years and, and like IAMs as well to, mm-hmm. uh, to basically identify, you know, young raw talent. Where, where we still try to assess on these things uh, and our interview process helps us do that. Also, um, it is more input-led or problem-solving-led rather than uh, only like show us a time. There will be no times when they would have influenced a product roadmap, right? Mm-hmm. So that is the, the judgment call that, for example, you try to uh, get out of an interview process. Mm-hmm. But what we do try to do is, um, uh, is, is now we have become even more, uh, uh, or we have tried 
two more things apart from the interview process, which is mm-hmm. one is case studies. I think they mm-hmm. give like a, a fantastic, uh, you know, insight in terms of like, how does a person think mm-hmm. and how would they really think about Urswiggy's problem uh, when it comes to like re- them really applying themselves. Mm-hmm. It best for all of the things that I talked about, mm-hmm. uh, which is their communication, which is a problem solving, which is their influence and all of those things. And they're great. Do they give up all of those things? Uh, B is, is, uh, Past performance is also a good indicator of future success, not the complete indicator. So we also try to understand like in the previous work, how have they done? So for senior leaders, for example, their products must speak for themselves. Like they would have had like some great outcomes or, or some great business metrics movement, or at least some cases in which maybe consumers loved it. Uh, and it doesn't matter if the, if the business bombed and so on, but at least when I'm hiring uh, product managers, we, have, we, we look at those things as well. Which were your previous products that you're proud to, uh, for us to see? And, and what happens is we, uh, through this process, we have also started seeing a lot of, uh, you know, entrepreneurs or mm-hmm. unsuccessful entrepreneurs or, or, or people who have tried out like building great products. Um, and, and, and we've also realized that they probably are like some of the best people to be product managers. Hmm. And the one thing I noticed about Swiggy and I must compliment you for that is like a high kind of a tenure of product managers over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I believe, uh, this is a personal axiom is that a lot of product hiring failure are essentially onboarding failures. Also, <laughs> you don't onboard a person properly and they, you don't communicate <clears throat> what is expected out of them. So what is the product onboarding for Swiggy and as such ideal product onboarding product manager onboarding should be like, what should one focus in the first 90 days at a new job? Like should they focus on establishing how smart they are or should they sit quietly and do the work and with the trust of the team? You know, quick win versus like impact. <clears throat> so, um, and I think that is true not only for Swiggy, but like many, many companies and, and probably not only for product, but for any kind of leadership um, uh, position, right? And I think like even an APM <clears throat> or a young product person is still a leader. Mm-hmm. So they're leading, they're first among equals. Like uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of engineers and uh, mm-hmm. designers who are still, they are first among equals between all of them. They are building the roadmap and they are prioritizing about that. Mm-hmm. Given that product management, even at the junior most level is a, is a leadership uh, position if you mm-hmm. if you accept that axiom mm-hmm. and i think they must do what what a leader must do when uh, it comes to the first 90 days mm-hmm. and in a in a way we can think about this in three or four uh, steps right one is uh, is establish your credibility mm-hmm. um, so i think that's 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 supremely important so i try to make sure that uh, my product managers uh, they they get a quick win mm-hmm. uh, like as fast as possible that's mm-hmm. one B is, or in fact, maybe even before that, uh, what they have to do is mm-hmm. just understand, understand, understand. Like seriously, whichever domain that you're going into, if you're on the consumer side, look at the data, speak with the consumer, speak with all the other product managers in that domain, speak with, uh, uh, for example, call center agents and all of that. Just build in that context. Uh, do not take a lot of decisions. So, mm-hmm. because even the quick win, what, what, what you should focus on, something that was already in execution, and then kind of uh, you take this up and like do a superb job, job of like executing that and hitting those metrics and, and your learning curves on like hey, what dashboard to look at and which people to talk about and how do I present those results. All of those things need to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the couple of things that absolutely must happen. There's a few more softer things that, uh, that, that new product managers in their first 90 days must do is establish relationships. Uh, it is it is so important in, in context of whatever we have talked about in, the, in, in today's like, you know, 45 minutes or one hour. Uh, you will need real, uh, relationships with the stakeholders. It would mm-hmm. be on business side, on design side, on um, uh, consumer side, engineering design, uh, all all of those those areas, like right? with leadership and uh, and so on. Mm-hmm. So 
build those relationships and and kind of try to understand that where are they coming from mm-hmm. once those relationships are established and you've had your quick wins mm-hmm. that trust also kind of um, of of is bumped up a little mm-hmm. so in the next 90 days for example you can now start making decisions you can start prioritizing you can start actually uh, creatively problem solving on on some problem statements and and starting with your own products and so on so i would recommend against starting on something completely new if you are a new product manager Mm-hmm. um unless you're you're starting a new initiative or something but but rather than on these few things can you expand a little bit more on the trust building side and also the things which i've seen companies doing is essentially you have to work for like a week in customer care week in qa week with design mm-hmm. and then so that you get hang of mm-hmm. everybody's job and other mm-hmm. is other technique i've seen is essentially they say this is your go to person if you want anything from where is the cafeteria to who is the person to avoid what is the temperament mm-hmm. person he is your go to person and hr will never ask you about your questions with that person what's your approach like uh, so and again with the work from home days in in um, and uh, uh, you know covid etc it's it's mm-hmm. changed and it is evolving Uh, mm-hmm. but the ideal approaches would be um, would be two or three of these like one approach that i found like uh, particularly effective is having a buddy mm-hmm. because literally there's no no easier way to short circuit all of that information coming in mm-hmm. if 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 you can just speak with somebody uh, mm-hmm. whose skill in the in the game is to basically mentor you and mm-hmm. and set you up for success as much as possible and it could be small nagging things like hey who do i get the laptop report with it could mm. be a really tough question like how do i prioritize features and why is anuj being so tough mm. and it could be like all of those things uh, i think mm. um, if you have a buddy i think that that really really smoothens out the process and and sets you up for at least confidence i'm not mm. saying trust just yet but confidence that yes now i understand how this company works how this org works how how things happen here and so on um the second question that you asked or the earlier one prashant that you were asking around around confidence itself right so uh, or or trust itself which is it it's extremely important to establish uh, through quick through wins that hey, the trust can be there because your stakeholders are also looking at you they and you are are going to succeed together and fail together so if for example some products are not getting built because you were not able to get it prioritized mm-hmm. then it's a bad thing uh, so only if you if you get that kind of trust look what will happen in in, in the uh, eventually if, in, through your career in a company mm-hmm. good projects will go to people that the leadership trust and there will be like shift of people and so on and so forth also there's like there's a history of we understand that this pro- this person when when we put on a certain uh, you know problem statement or an area these are the kind of things that they do to arrive at a road map these are the kind of things uh, uh, that is their output is going to look like mm-hmm. this is the chances of success of this product manager working on that and all of these things are soft mm-hmm. and 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 if you have established trust through your wins then i think you have a much better chance of succeeding so is there a specific scorecard you manage or is like more intuitive uh, well we are not so big that we that we maintain a scorecard just yet it is more intuitive but the way we uh, we 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 go back and and we look at that is uh, is through calibrations and mm-hmm. so once every 6 uh, months for example all the the senior product leaders get together mm-hmm. and essentially uh, spend almost like 1 hour 2 hours on per candidate or per per product manager Mm-hmm. just to assess uh, where they are right now with respect to each of the competencies how much did they move and mm-hmm. and and so on so through calibrations as well as uh, what we do is is essentially create their own career roadmap so what mm-hmm. we do is is a career conversation with them mm-hmm. which is and that's a, that's a very high involvement one but that's what my recommendation also is that once you have like a discussion with uh, with the product manager on this is the what the 
what, what a PM to SPM looks like. And this mm-hmm. is what I'm looking at with respect to your competencies. You'll be much better in, in ABCDE things to this level. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the outputs that I'm looking at, which is you should have influence in like tough situations. You should have like actually launched X number of Y looking products and so on. And these are the metrics that you should have moved uh, and, and all of those things. At this at this level, you will become an SPM. And then once again, that career conversation, how do you move up the ladder for an SPM and all of those things. So, and now that the product manager is the job profile desire and everybody wants to be one, I'm sure a lot of people from like adjacent function, functional area, like QA, customer support operations, and sometimes in business and engineering also, they want That's to come right. into it. So do you have any thumb rule for to encourage it or discourage yes. it? No, no, I, we encourage it a lot. Uh, some mm-hmm. of our, our, our best product managers, they mm-hmm. have come from, from, from design, from engineering, from uh, analytics, from business, actually business and analytics more, but, uh, but, but from all, all of these functions. And, uh, and, and we, so look, there is no, no education that can train you for product management. It's, it's just like there's no education that can train you for becoming a good CEO. Mm-hmm. Or like there are of course MBAs and so on, but uh, or a good founder for that matter. Mm-hmm. So um, we encourage this uh, uh, completely, and I, I I think everybody should. Mm-hmm. The way we look at that, or but the thumb rule that I follow though, mm-hmm. is is I believe in Delta One movements, and there's a reason for that. Delta One meaning if you are for example a supply manager, mm-hmm. and if you want to do product management, do product management and supply first, mm-hmm. and or if you are um, if you are um, a growth manager, mm-hmm. or in, or a marketing manager then do product management and growth first. Don't move into, for example, some uh, you know, core logistics or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why I say that, remember when we were talking about quick wins and, and establishing trust. So when, when a person, uh, assuming that they clear their interviews and are, are all showing green shoots of like being a good product manager, and you mm-hmm. want to take a bet on them, and that also, there's, it's a bet. It's not that everybody's going to work out. But they, when they come in, they already are an expert or an established authority on something. They already know more than like, for example, a few more folks on the business side and they can add value from day one. And while they are learning, it's not only that they're, they're just taking value away from the system or just taking time away from the system, they're adding to it. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, that I found to be a, a good thumb rule in that sense, because that establishes all of that trust much faster between all the stakeholders who have to work with the, uh, with the product person. When the functional boundaries are like so porous and people can move in and out, so I'm sure the definition of product management kind of get <laughs> uh, impacted. And one unintended side effect of it is like sometimes you have your one of your colleague coming to you and say, you know, I don't enjoy. I, I'm doing what I'm doing is program management, you know, <laughs> or like design functional people don't really listen to me, things like mm. that. So how do you mm. handle that kind of uh, expectation of your team where they are not satisfied with what they are doing? Time. Yes. So look, Prashant, I think uh, uh, of all we have, we have discussed today, mm-hmm. like if you have to think of that, all of these things work as a system. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if you, so I'm obviously it, it, it uh, there will be times when people think that they are, all they are doing is program management or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, or, or there will be times that all I'm just doing is, all I'm doing is strategy. I don't have any engineers. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. there are like, oh, there are all of those times or all I'm, am I doing is like designing things, but uh, those designs never go to production or, or then yeah. we keep on iterating. There are many, many things that will happen in a product manager journey. And hence, if you look at like what we were talking about earlier, if you have as a product leader, that discussion with your product manager, which is both a career conversation as well as a six monthly conversation mm-hmm. around, these are the things that we expect. Mm-hmm. And that's a discussion, like right? where you are right now, 
in your context, what are the things that uh, you'll accomplish? Where are the challenges uh, that you see yourself? What is the kind of work that you'll be uh, doing? Uh-huh. What does the next six months look heavy on or light on, etc.? And uh-huh. within that context, uh-huh. what does a uh, you know one, two, three, four, five rating mean? What does an, uh, a promotion mean? And what does it not mean? If you keep on having this conversation every month, uh, you will not at least be in, in, in a shock and awe and surprise. And you get like a much better chance to speak with your product manager, take corrective actions if they don't like it. Uh-huh. And say, because, because of, it, uh, us, of your company being like, you know, porous also in product teams that, okay, it seems like you're not enjoying um, a lot of, uh, of you know, work on the program management side. And, and it's not as if that you're convinced that after six months, it'll go away. So A, we should try to find out, is it a, is it a phase or it, it's something that is like just going to be in your, uh, in your area. Mm-hmm. And if it is going to be in your area, you better be comfortable in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it is going to be a phase, then you better wait it out and we can discuss. And if we can't agree on this, then we'll, let's see what other opportunities we can have within the, uh, within the same function. Mm-hmm. If not, then within the company and it doesn't even need to be under me. So and, but but the point that you are making is, uh, is is not only program management. I've heard this also, but but I've heard so many other things as well. That all I I keep on doing is strategizing, and for six months I'm building these roadmaps and designs, and nothing gets shaped. That also is as much a um, could be an issue. So yeah. Uh, Anuj, uh, shifting on to some tactical uh, things from your rich experience, you've seen early growth at Flipkart. Uh, also, build a lot of what Swiggy is currently. Uh, what we've often sort of seen in uh, Indian growth hacks is that uh, it's usually a version of a referral or a wallet cashback <laughs> or like a timed social media campaign, which is contextualized to something that's happening in current affairs. Uh, but I'm sure there would be some gems that you would have uh, realized along the way. Uh, would be great if you could just share them. <laughs> no. Uh... Okay, this is this is a really tough one. So um, unless unless we want to go into like some very tactical, uh, you know, gems around around Swiggy itself, a is I don't I don't uh, see growth as just like one growth hacking function. I think it it comes from a mindset of like a lot of people like basically working towards um, uh, towards uh, towards identifying that what parts of the growth of of the company that they are uh, uh, that you know that they are working towards. So. <clears throat> If I had to ask uh, that question once or understand that question once again, Utkash, we are talking about uh, some gems or some insights or some things that you would not expect uh, in Swiggy through which growth came out, things like that. Uh, a mix of both, certain insights that you have been found to be, uh, that you found very valuable, uh, which led you to build some things that worked out very well. Right. So uh, let's let's talk about like a couple of very simple insights, right? One, one insight, for example, that we found uh, was in say 2017-ish days, when we were seeing we were seeing that um, his Swiggy is, is the frequency of ordering in say lunches versus dinners is like X versus Y, whatever was was differing, and um, and in, during lunches we said that let's look at home versus office addresses and all of those things. Where are people ordering from? Where are people not ordering from? So during in offices we 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 saw that like hey why is it this less weekend or weekday lunches should be higher. We look back at our own uh, our own offering and we said, yeah, of course, uh, it sh- it would be lower because in India, restaurants, meals are like you have to order a roti and a dal and a chapati and like whatnot. And usually that comes out to be a meal for two. So this is there's obviously one gap here that we can we can be looking to fill. So we introduced, for example, two big things at that time. We introduced Swiggy Pop, which was a single serve, serve offering where, where a user can come and, and basically say that, 
it is just for you it is just a single serve meal you don't need to worry about like two people three people etc etc and that really really worked for us in fact that was also the time when we launched the bowl company the bowl company is a private brand uh, by swiggy which which uh, which kind of solves for you the boardroom problem so if you're in a boardroom and you don't want to get your hands messy and you still want to eat and like have your meal and all of those things so that between these two we suddenly started seeing there's a lot of customer love for for both of them that really really worked so that's one one simple insight leading to like good products that really worked it's not like something out of the blue but uh, the other one for example was uh, swiggy super uh, we realized that uh, there if you look at the world of loyalty point programs membership programs cashbacks so rewards so so on so forth there are like hundreds and hundreds of of ways in which you can do that and it it can lead to analysis paralysis within companies i have not seen any company literally in the world who's who's able to like clearly identify what program they should be going after and what are they rejecting and why so uh, prashant can correct me if i'm wrong so they for example say uh, the hypothesis of ptm that you know uh, cashback leads to chain reactions and chain reaction you keep on continuing and they, they for example keep you give your attention versus amazon prime is like a very simple one like with you just buy, you buy loyalty in a way now because you have paid this money then uh, company ko choosna hai wala objective say a lot of people would do that and like then of course like the overall um amazon is what uh, uh, you know the experience is also like quite good or there are like airline programs like loyalty points on so in swiggy for example what we we realize that if we have to do it what how should we be writing the principles so we essentially wrote down the principles of because we are not an app where people like spend a lot of time uh, we want people to like literally tap tap go uh, because we want to re- reduce the distance between their hunger and their food uh, so all of those things so we wanted to make it like extremely simple b we we also saw that in india what is true is people hate delivery fee like it's just they feel that it is unfair it should not be charged and like whatever the reasons that maybe you are paying it to the delivery executive it does not matter I mean, none of those things matter and then third thing we wanted to obviously go with uh, with a membership programs that was the idea so we combined all of these three things together and kind of uh, built like a, uh, a swiggy super which was like a, a version 1 of uh, you put x rupees and you get like monthly free deliveries and then on top of that we kind of started you know shaping up that program that hey it should be up to x kilometers so that you're not abusing in all of those things and now we are evolving that so just the the one insight around people don't like to pay free delivery but they would rather pay once a month to just get rid of all of the the delivery fee related hassle uh, led to swiggy super got it uh you you mentioned that there is no like a silver bullet to actually figuring out a great growth hack and usually uh, how growth teams function is like they focus on very high velocity <clears throat> experimentation or maybe a cross functional collaboration to generate those insights which might rest with marketing or business teams how is the growth team at swiggy structure and is there like a framework to actually generating processing and then experimenting those <laughs> insights that you have uh, so swiggy structured very differently what what you are talking about is specific uh, growth hack teams that that i have usually seen work in companies which don't have uh, or which have one kind of users or network effects like for example a facebook or a twitter uh, like that's where it, it actually started or pinterest and so on right you don't have like two or three different kind of entities in in swiggy for example there are three entities so uh, in a way we we think about growth more holistically and and if you look at growth it comes in at least in my head the way i articulate it is like either it is innovation or it is optimization now within innovation also there is macro innovation and and say kind of micro innovation and there is within optimization also there is like uh, you know constrained and unconstrained sorry in, like all the other way around so your innovations are either constrained or unconstrained 
so you could be saying like drone delivery. It's an unconstrained innovation and, and some growth will be unlocked through that if we get it right. But for example, some constrained innovation is saying we are doing food less to grocery. This is constrained, but it is still very, very big and so on. And that's where we think like um, a lot of people will, will start coming and, and ordering from us. At the same time, there are these two of um, uh, what I call was uh, on the optimization side. So you can have like micro optimization or macro optimization. Micro optimization is what a growth hacking team does. It's like keep on generating those insights and for those insights, actually you keep on going ahead, experimenting and, and, and uh, try to fail fast and, and keep on growing and optimizing your funnels and so on and so forth, right? And, and that's how, for example, this works. In the framework that we put together, is basically say we look at five parameters. We look at uh, we different teams in Swiggy are all growth teams. What kind of growth do we want from them? Do we want the growth that comes from unconstrained innovation? Do we want the growth to come from uh, say uh, completely small, uh, you know, tactical uh, kind of growth hackings, etc.? So we have said that growth hack team for Swiggy is not something that we will set up just yet. Growth hack teams usually are, are best suited for, for companies when they are in a stage where they're not growing 100% year on year or 50% year on year or something like that. Like when there are naked truths in front of your eyes, when the insights are, are clear, uh, that's the time you should be focusing more on innovation and trying to build out like more and more use cases. Once those things start drying up a little more, that's when you kind of expand on, on your growth hacking and, uh, and add on to that. So the five parameters that I was talking about, you look at impact, look at confidence, uh, you look at, for example, agility, you look at speed. So all of, and like, I think there is one more that I kind of forget. So you look at, for example, this team that I'm, uh, that I'm thinking about right now, we want this team to work on only high impact and high confidence items, which will, um, which will lead to, for example, uh, and they, the team can be low on agility. It, even if it launches once a quarter, we are fine with that, et cetera, et cetera. And that team is branded a certain team. Versus some other team, for example, we have a labs team where a different kind of growth comes. We want extremely high impact, very low confidence items, but we want them to like kind of iterate and, and, and keep on doing those things. And there's a different kind of growth that may come or may not come. We don't know for sure. And there's another kind of team, which is a new initiatives team uh, where they will, uh, they will launch definitely once a quarter and every quarter uh, they will launch say one or two projects, but uh, they are not data backed at all. So for example, the fifth parameter was like, does it need to be data backed? So it is not data backed. It is just working on hunches where we all feel comfortable that, hey, let's try this and let's see whether it works or not. So within these different kinds of teams, you, you basically say, we have like a gamut of things that is coming under all the buckets of uh, innovation and optimization. We don't only look at growth hacking as the, the only way to grow. If uh, Utkash, if that's what you meant. Yeah, yeah. that answers the question, yeah. How does it sit with the engineering management piece of organization? Does each of these team have a dedicated engineering team of their own? So let's say you want to build a feature and there's a cart team. So will they have two dedicated people for labs and two dedicated people for someone else? Or like they have 10 people and you have to make a case and get it prioritized. How's the functionality um, roll out? Right. As I was, I was uh, telling earlier, Prashant, so uh, we are moving to a world where, where like each team will be like a Okay, there will be streams which are dedicated to special or different kind of causes. Now, within those causes, they could be like, hey, we want to have a mix of unconstrained growth and we want to have a mix of like, you know, quick hacks and, and so on and so forth. There could be like so many different things that way. So that, that, that stream itself is master of its own destiny. Mm -hmm. Now, what we have to layer it out with, for example, in our labs team, we have said that we want you to do things that are completely, uh, you know, out of what you would have imagined. 
the labs team for example doesn't does not work on uh, on on things that are on the swiggy app they works on things which are say supply chain innovation instead of bikes could we use uh, you know taxis and like do like uh, different kind of batching or could we do drones and and all of those other kind of things even if it's a different business model for example could we launch a different app and like do through whatsapp things like that right so so we try to minimize their dependencies as much as possible in case there are there are dependencies then two teams will need to talk and kind of honor each other's uh, you know intentions and bandwidths and so on and in cases where that does not happen that's when leaders like us have to kind of make them work together this the downside i've seen essentially the proliferation of microservices or excessive fat in the team essentially you have way too many people and they don't get utilized so have you faced the same problem <laughs> i think i think we have faced the other problem where we have too many ideas on the table and not enough people and um, uh in fact we are moving to like a lot more microservices now uh-huh. and in fact we have, we have made a lot of of big movements in the last couple of years so i think uh-huh. we are getting like we more readier uh, so that like more team so that teams can be more independent and, and reduce these dependencies today for example we are still in a in a stage where uh, with it works through dependency management rather than just here there are microservices and you guys get just go ahead and and build your own stuff what do you want sure what's good anish so uh, i think so swiggy as you mentioned rightly is a three way marketplace it's a very apt way of putting it it's amazon cross uber uh wanted to understand from you what is sort of one problem statement that you think that swiggy has uh, very beautifully cracked across all the supply ecosystem problems demand side problems i think a whole gamut of problems that swiggy does have look um i think the way i look at that from uh, from an indian customer point of view or an indian user point of view nothing is reliable and everything is inconvenient in india so that's the way i start like uh, like everything is inconvenient my roads are broken uh, my apartment complex guy doesn't listen to me like sometimes you know property taxes are difficult to pay or um, or you know all of those inconveniences that everybody lives in india uh, what happens though like indians have a very different perception of for example online apps like once it comes to online they don't treat these apps or these services equivalent to for example what they really face in their day to day lives in like with the government or with the local kirana shop or with uh, uh, with you know a shop nearby that they have to go and and they say nahi aaj nahi hai or they may have overcharge etc they have a lot more empathy so what happens is that indians uh, have I, i most consumers anyway for them if something is digital it better be perfect it's not like they will have very little empathy for you getting late or you getting like you know some issue happening with your engineering and all of those things so in a way what we think is what swiggy has solved for is high amount of reliability with high amount of convenience and um, so it makes your life convenient but but it is something that you don't think twice that uh, that hey whether food will come or not whether food will come like half or like somebody would have eaten or uh, it'll uh it its portion size will be lower and and so on and so forth so in a way i think that is a problem that that's that swiggy has has really really cracked where uh, like building in the, the i want it now part for the user and where they know that it will come now uh but if you wanted to again say about like uh, the small growth hack kind of insights i don't think uh, like there are like many tiny things we, there are many pockets that we can talk about but this is the larger point that uh, that i wanted to make yeah anuj um... just curious you you've uh, been uh, at companies that have grown uh, you know exponentially after you've joined them is there a secret that you want to share with us on how you end up picking up the right horse in last uh, so many years you've done that consistently as uh, you know to a vc that's very valuable information 
No, I think uh, one is I've been incredibly lucky to have worked with like some great people. And um, uh, uh, so outside of luck, there are a few things that I try to follow and uh, and try to understand with uh, uh, like with a framework on on what am i going after so i think probably uh, like similar to a question that 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 vcs ask so i think i ask some questions one is is the market really really big like is is and in this market are there are there a lot of unsolved problems and for these unsolved problems does this company have have shown some uh, some you know indication that they are the right companies to be to be solving those problems i think i'll start from there uh, then I actually move on to the uh, probably the bigger question or the more important question, like what is the team like and what are the founders like? And mm. and if you if you kind of have and I'm Prashant was speaking I think in the last call that um, I like to have like very very detailed conversations and walks along with uh, with the founders to kind of understand their vision and the uh, their understanding of of both the problem statement and and how um, how they're thinking about the three things which is the product the business and the organization all of these things three things mm. together. Um, then I try to evaluate uh, my own role, which is, uh, will I have enough? So one is like, of course, like all of these things being there, but, uh, but could I also influence all of these three areas? Could I influence the organization and the culture in a big way? Could I influence the business plan and, and the structure uh, and the product in a big way? Once these things kind of work out and, and then we move on to the, like the other, other smaller aspects of, um, uh, for example, uh, is this company, uh, is this a winner company? Does the attitude is is like a winner, or or is it like also in like a me too kind of space, which is like there are ten companies out here who are trying to like figure the same things out? Uh, does this company really have a moat, or has the ability to build moats around it? On so in a combination of these things, I think you will be basically able to eliminate ninety percent of the companies. I, yeah. At, at least that's that's something that I've been able to do. And you're you're left with very few companies which are like really good ones where um, where you feel that there are um, they could be. Uh, you know, from unicorns to decacons to like whatnot cons in the future. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, you have any names in mind for people to think about, uh, you know, which kind of reflect what you just said? Uh, companies that show potential in your mind? Uh, companies that show potential in my mind. I think um, uh, I should not be actually talking about like company names per se. Mm-hmm. But I think there will be um, like the ones that I, for example, have been have been thinking about, and uh, just like you you mentioned in the past, if I had to choose a company to either join or to recommend a, a friend and so on in the past, uh, there would be ones in in tech that is a space that I really feel is is going to be like uh, quite big. I also mm-hmm. feel that gaming, online gaming, is going to be like really really big in in the next few years. And there are Gamescraft and there are like uh, you know Un Academy and so on who are doing. A few things very right, but I think there are a lot more things that that can be done in in both of these uh, these these sectors. So, how much? Uh, speaking of the selection criteria, how much of the interview process is designed by the you while you are assessing these roles? Like beyond, <laughs> like, do you have any question to ask, or do you say, you know, I want to go for a walk with you and all, like, <laughs> or I want to talk to. VP operations and VP product and how much of that process is crafted by the candidate at your level? I, I think a lot of that process is crafted by the candidate. Um, uh, well, I, I, so I personally joined Swiggy a few years back, but I think any new candidate who is either coming in or the way I've seen like most senior people now take control of their own destiny. It's not like, 
you know it is a, it is a it is a discussion between equals the company and the and the leader so mm-hmm. they have to like it's it's a marriage like both both the company has to convince and assess at the same time the the leader has to uh, has to assess the company and and basically say yes to like a long term relationship so you have to know that what are the things that are important to you you basically want to understand what are your riskiest assumptions when you're joining the company and and try to kind of not de-risk the assumptions, but basically try to understand more. That the riskiest assumption is that you know on the operation side everything is fine, but at least you want to go and understand is it is it really true, or you maybe your riskiest assumption maybe that uh, hey, culture to ask like every company has like decent mm-hmm. culture, but you want to like try to dive deep from whatever information that you heard. So you have to craft the process a, um, a little bit by yourself, and and I'm glad to report that actually most companies are okay with that. And most companies, uh, at least at a leadership level, even at a product manager level, I think are much are, are much more open to now um, have you speak with a lot more folks and they try to influence you a lot more. So speaking of riskiest assumptions, like one assumption we tested was essentially off late, like a uh, couple of years back, there was a plethora of uh, high high level executive para dropping from Silicon Valley to an Indian company. <laughs> How's that experiment worked out? What's your take on that? And now we see the reverse trend. A lot of Indian senior executives are going to Indonesia, Singapore, Southeast Asia as market develops over there. So do you have any take on that, on those riskiest assumption angle? Yeah, um, I think where we started, no, Prashant, like this Mm -hmm. conversation around, um, I think... um, in India, product management is is generally tougher than uh, than it's in in the valley right now, mm-hmm. um, and and no offense to the valley. In fact, it's a lot of uh, you know great work that they've done. Hence, I'm saying that. In in the Silicon Valley, what has happened is like right through the 60s and 70s, and and they've they've actually had a culture of of, of building newer offerings to the world. Um, because of of that, newer products always got built, and and they kind of had the had the whole ecosystem built around like how do product management as a field will be set up. Not only product management, but startups and, and from startups, how do you grow to a big company and all that. Now, there are two good things that came out of that. One good thing was there are a lot of leaders, not only in product management, but even in business uh, who now understood if I'm working in a technology enabled product company, then how do we, how does a relationship work? What are the things that uh, to expect from a product manager and so on? And same with technologies. What has happened in India though, in uh, it's, it's only started to happen in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So there are... Even if you look at most leadership teams in in companies which are technology first or or have like any consumer internet product and so on, look at for example their leadership team. You will still find a lot of people who are from say FMCG or they are from uh, you know hardcore operations or they are from non-technology background or maybe um, working with any kind of technology company for the first time or or for example your uh, you know VP finance and like so on and so forth right like this that's that's one indication also that how the the ecosystem is just like building out those leaders would have uh, worked with uh, with you know tech product people earlier mm-hmm. now because of this reason what happens is indian product leadership is very different you have to really it starts with empathy for the user also but in in this case also you have to start with that that person doesn't really understand how does product management work. Mm. What that other person in FMCG would have seen is that it works like an assembly line. Mm. I basically think about the requirement and you, if you have committed me a month and that kind of results, I expect it to come out on, on that time and within a month, you should deliver me those results. So here it took, takes a lot more convincing, explaining, educating your, your, your peer stakeholders so that they reach some level. 
now coming back to your question which is like a lot of people were you know parachuted from from the us and so on i think one of the things that that didn't go right was was probably and again um, i think they didn't quite get hold of the situation mm-hmm. so that's one which is like really how different the indian stakeholders are and and how what would it take for for them to kind of align all of them together that's one b is it's always difficult when you're living in a different market to completely empathize with the indian consumer mm-hmm. uh, so what what kind of products that you are building they may actually be a little bit ahead of their time and your intuition would usually take you to wrong paths so you have to rely a lot more empathy and data and 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 one of the tools your intuition needs some time to build and that intuition for example not only for product building but even for 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 change management for prioritization etc it it doesn't come in a little handy so so because of of some of these reasons i've seen um, that uh, very very senior product folks who were adopted did not be or could not be very successful one popular uh, prevalent explanation of that phenomena is that uh, high growth companies usually hire for capacity and <laughs> candidate thinks that he is being hired for competency or capability <laughs> so how do you basically see capacity versus uh, capability conundrum um look i'm i'm always a big fan of of never hiring for leisure and always hiring for uh, um, for for where you where you really really need like you cannot do without uh, without a person there and and forget like a leader but also at the same time even at junior levels so you do not ideally want to hire for for capacity i think those things happen when you are in in peace time mode where you like hire and then uh, then start seeing that hey let's then find out what will what will happen in the future and all of those things when you are in war time you are actually uh, way too busy like uh, putting out those burning fires at the same time working out your your extremely high growth potential with the people that you have so as soon as you get someone you really want them to start adding value as soon as possible so i see that that conundrum to be like a a little bit of a philosophical difference that uh, uh, that i have with with people who hire for for you know uh, capacity rather than um then uh, competence but at the same time uh, they could be very competent people who were hired for when they were, they were not being hired for leisure they were hired for 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 the right role for the right time for the right company but still i think the other points that we talked about stay so google apm program essentially is like hiring for capacity right that's right yeah. absolutely yeah. and 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 they can afford to and i think they deserve to because google uh, is 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 in in, in a very uh, enviable position right now where they don't have real competition where they are like actually quite distinguished with the way uh, so the between their vision and their products versus other people who are even trying to uh, go after that kind of vision are very few and if that is true if your vision is is unique and and very important to the world and your products and your offerings are actually like much better than anybody else there that's when you have to start hiring for or like start building your company looking at um, at very different set of initiatives so for example let's hire more and let's let's make sure that these people then open up uh, even newer avenues on what google could be achieving so uh, so they are not uh, hiring for for where but but it will be very different for example for say a google pay or or say a, um, say a google i would not call google maps like that but say google pay uh, where they are competing with like very uh, uh, you know heavily with say a ptm as well as um, as a phone pay and so on there the attitude will be very different i'm pretty sure that they will not wait for an apm to come from the apm program and so on uh anut so jumping on to a 
rapid fire where we just hope that we get some headline grabbing answers <laughs> <laughs> uh so anuj uh, which is your favorite book first question sorry which is your favorite book which is my favorite book i i have recently liked uh, strategy from outside and that's that's a, that's a brilliant book and i think it 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 made made like a lot of uh, changes in the way that i used to think about uh, about not only building products but strategy so so that's one uh, a couple more books i will still still go for so i yeah. really like <laughs> thinking fast and slow and uh, it's it's a book on behavioral economics that uh, that i really really love uh, any book by danny relly i think he has done a, a very good job at um, uh, at actually creating like both behavioral economics principles very accessible for users as well as like using nudges for for very interesting phenomenon so very interesting those parts awesome uh, do you have a favorite philosopher as well <laughs> very recently i think um, i am very influenced by uh, naval ravikant like well not a philosopher in in, in the conventional sense uh, or even yuval noah harari which is again not a philosopher but a historian but i think these are the two with that uh, that i associate with a lot with respect to their ways of thinking may not be agreeing with all their ideas but just the the sheer way in which you you take first principles thinking combined it with data as well as uh, inform other sorts of information to build frameworks so for both of them i have huge respect awesome uh do you have a most frequently ordered dish from swiggy <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 it's hawkered uh, spicy fried chicken uh, from the bowl company or at least it used to be till the time i used to go to office so i used to order it at least twice sometimes thrice a week uh, it was just my go to dish for for long long time till the time uh, my company decided that it's it's not a dish which is getting enough retention or love from consumers so they discontinued it and i i broke my uh, like it broke my heart but at the same time i hear that it is coming back so i'll i'll restart ordering that once again it's really good you should try it so it was end to end swiggy right from the bowl company to the eventual delivery yeah it was and 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 the worst part was i like um, it was discontinued because they they thought that i was like uh, one of the consumers who were few and far in between so it was <laughs> you were not ordering enough <laughs> yeah, yeah, order. i i i could not get enough uh, you know love for the dish i could i should have referred a lot more people maybe uh, yeah uh, no, now 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 we know what to order <laughs> yeah uh, anuj what do you think is the best time for a major production release is it like a friday night release with a celebration after that and maybe a weekend bug or a weekday with release with a celebration after that and a probable hangover <laughs> what is your choice <laughs> uh well when you're looking at it for example from the point of view of the of the engineering release and so on i would say the best time for release is when you can make the biggest noise about it like to the consumer like if 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 for example like what is the time when when the users will read it and when will they respond to the tweets and they will start actually downloading the app and all of those uh, and that may be different for different kind of products but nothing to do with that uh, with friday or whatever like if it comes on bang in on saturday afternoon let's do it then awesome cool anuj this has been <clears throat> as expected a, a very meaty discussion and and uh, loved every bit of it i think we also left a lot of uh, rabbit holes that we didn't go into and we'd love to invite you again and maybe talk about hiring and the org design that we touched upon and uh, love to get more i know that's one of your favorite topics as well but thanks so much for you know taking out so much time on a sunday for us uh, and uh, 
I'm sure the knowledge that you shared today will be heard by people who are going to be able to use it for just building better product organizations, better companies. So thanks so much uh, for being on the show. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks. Thank you, Prashant. And thanks, Kash. Bye-bye. Thank you.